0: This podcast is made possible thanks to our supporters on Patreon.
1: A big thank you goes out to Adnan Isell, owner of Isellers Estate Winery. You can visit them at 615 Concession 5 Road in Niagara on the Lake, or check out their website at isellers.ca.
0: Find out how you can support us like Adnan by visiting patreon.com/slash two guys talking wine. <laughs>
1: You're listening to Two Guys Talking Wine with Michael Pincus and Andre Pruitt. We are doing a podcast that is literally months in the making where, you know, it's not terribly difficult to get Michael and I in the same room, but apparently to get Michael, myself, and Lindsey Groves in the same room was damn near impossible between Michael traveling to Europe and me just being insanely busy. So we are going to do um, a proper social distanced Tasting of the uh, Taylor Fladgate ports.
0: That's what that's what my understanding was. That we were, I think, I think we had actually booked this Andre four or five times, and it was one of us that actually canceled. Lindsay was very nice to us and said, "Oh, I can make that. I can make that." Um, I and and then it became, you know, she would wait and wait and wait, and like two days before she go, "I can make that," and we both go. Now we can't make that.
2: <laughs> so
0: we're horrible. Lindsay, hi, welcome aboard. Uh, we're really sorry.
2: No worries. I thought you were just trying to avoid me, but
1: now <laughs> my feelings are
0: hurt. Oh, we we were trying to avoid you. We knew we knew the virus was coming. We knew we could actually distance this and, and Andre didn't have to make dinner, so
2: Oh, that's you got out of dinner. Okay. Yeah. That was the motivation. All yeah. right. I see now.
0: You don't want Andre's burnt chicken anyway, so that happened uh, once. Another time. <laughs> Andre, nothing about the burnt chicken. I said that happened once, and and that's once too often.
1: Oh, shut up, Michael. So Lindsay, so what are we uh, doing? Lindsay, what are we doing? What,
0: uh, what makes you an expert on uh, on Taylor Port, first of all?
2: So um, this is actually a new initiative for Ontario, as far as having a, a Taylor Flaggate brand ambassador. Um, uh, this is a new position that they decided to start as of this past September and it was really hard, but I had to go all the way to Portugal and I had to spend time, you know, going to the oh,
0: damn.
2: tasting stuff and meeting like everybody, you know, in the company. It was really, really hard. It was, it was so difficult, but I sucked it up and I went and obviously had a fabulous time. And uh, got to see all the different parts of the business starting in the, basically what they did is they took us right away. There's another uh, brand ambassador for Quebec okay. and um, the two of us arrived in Portugal. And basically we drove straight out um, to actually uh, meet with uh, the primaries of the organization. And it was just starting uh, as far as harvest. At Quinta Dorada, which is one of the croft properties, and so we went and actually stayed in the house with the winemakers and jumped into literally, you know, <laughs> into the lagars to crush grapes and we had a bit of a trial by fire uh, as far as being initiated to the Taylor Flaggate family. Um, so we had the really really great opportunity to to actually see. Um, exactly what was going on in the vineyards and the winery, and then we spent a little bit of time with uh, the marketing guys as well at the head office. So it was a really fun trip, um, but more importantly, educational as far as learning all the ins and outs of the port business. Um, because there's a lot of stuff that, if you study wine, obviously you you know the mechanics of how it works. You you understand the you know the wine making steps involved, but it was really cool to actually see it in motion and to fill in some of the blanks as well as to the timing of some of the things that happen, uh, the you know all the complexities involved in the process of making port.
0: And they so, also have a they also have a hotel there. Do they not in in Portugal? Just like a really nice hotel, if I'm not mistaken.
2: They have they have more than one hotel. There's the Yateman, oh. which is the one that you're probably yes. thinking
0: about. Yes.
2: The Yateman is beautiful and has a stunning view, um, looking out over the town. So. In Porto, there's uh, basically that entire side of uh, Villanova de Gaia is uh, is the port houses, the lodges. And um, sorry, you're gonna hear my dog with a squeaky toy in the background.
1: <laughs> That's okay. That's all my
0: right. dog barks yeah. every so often too. So Henry loves ah. making his guest appearances on the on the podcast. Very often, actually. Yeah.
2: Yeah. My so... cat
0: My cat shows up in the room, but he doesn't say anything.
2: Oh, cats are cats are uppity like that. Yeah. they judge you
0: yeah he's he's upset that we're drinking port without him but that's another story (laughs) (laughs) It's
2: like savages but uh yes so they have on the villanova de gaia side they have the yateman hotel which is right next to the the taylor's visitor center and actually um croft when they uh purchased croft back in recent years they Inherited also the Croft Lodges right in the vicinity, kind of just below the Aitman. And that area with the old Croft Lodges is being turned into what will be called the World of Wine, which is a massive complex um, that is going to be a tourism destination that has a museum uh, to do with the history of wine. There's a Cork Museum, there's fashion and design, there's hospitality elements as far as restaurants and, and wonderful dining options. So that's something that is set to launch in. It was scheduled for August. Um, I believe they're on track, but we'll see what happens. Obviously, based on the current situation. Um, but they have diversified. Not only so within Taylor Fladgate family, the, the Taylor Fladgate partnership encompasses multiple brands. There's Taylors, which in other markets they just call it Taylors. Yep. Um, here and in some of the other markets, it's known as Taylor Fladgate. Um, just to differentiate because there was some issue to do with something else called Taylor's. So they, they had to put that in as far as the, the branding for Canada. Um, but within Taylor Flatgate, there's Taylor's, there's Croft, um, there's also Fonseca. Um, so there's a number of brands that you'd be familiar with that fall under the umbrella for Taylor Flatgate. Got
0: it. Um, uh, you want to jump in here or what?
1: No, I'm still just listening. I, w- I want to get to the part where we're talking taste about wine? the lines, um, I've been listening to Lindsay talk about all the great things about Taylor in, in Portugal, um, but I've nearly finished my little mason jar of the 10 year old Tawny, which is. Um, oh, I. It's a standard. It's definitely a standard. Yet. It's definitely a standard and something that I enjoy picking up because it is pretty affordable and uh, it's always good.
0: Well, let, let's tell people how we ended up with these wines today. And. and, and um uh lindsay uh, risked her life and limb to uh to get these to us not only did she uh uh did she brave the outside world but she drove the qew to get uh little mason jars to me with these wines and then she drove in downtown toronto to get them to you so although downtown toronto i be- would believe is a little bit quieter these days it's to
2: drive in right for driving it's so quiet um, the the highways are still okay. It's like a quiet Sunday on the highways, but downtown is fabulous. You can just drive straight through in like five minutes, so that was actually a pleasure.
1: <laughs> well, I've I've been cycling to work while the, the this crisis has been going on, and there's no way I would ever bike to work on a normal weekday from Davisville to downtown. Yeah,
2: no, it's it's pretty quiet.
0: So we are uh we are on the uh, the ten year old Tawny, um. And I love these little mason jars, they make great little glasses. (laughs) So, uh, look, first of all, uh, tell us a little bit about Tawny Ports. A lot of people believe that a 10-year-old Tawny uh, means that it is uh, the average age of the wine, Uh, where I understand it is not the average age of the wine. So,
2: how it works, Basically, when you're talking about port, within the world of port, there are different styles, including tawny, which basically, when you are differentiating, tawny ports have been aged oxidatively versus ruby ports, including uh, late-bottled vintage and your vintage ports are aged uh, more so in the bottle. So the difference, you can tell immediately just based on the color. Um, If you're comparing tawny ports to your rubies or again, within that LBV and such, um, they have a tawny color. So it makes sense they would call them that (laughs) because that's what they look like. Um, The other uh, thing that you'll notice, obviously, you just mentioned that what you have is the 10 and 20-year-old as far as samples I've given you to try. So there is an indication of age on the bottles. Um, As far as what we have from Taylor's, the 10 and 20 are are mainstream as far as what's available. We also do have a 30 and a 40-year-old as well. Um, so that's pretty interesting just based on the the flavor profiles that you get and the ability to try even just the 10 and 20 side by side. You see how things develop in terms of the flavors as it ages longer in barrel. Um, so the 10-year-old, you'll notice, has a lot more upfront fruit to it. Um, and I should mention these are ports, so they are all fortified. And when they make port, um, just to to give some of the the ground ground groundwork here for this. Um, When they make pork, uh, it's starting to ferment for about four days, and then they add alcohol to fortify it midway through. And what you end up with then is a beverage that has a significant amount of residual sugar, which is natural sugar, though, occurring from the grapes, and then higher alcohol based on the fact that it's fortified. And these all are blends of multiple different grape varieties that are traditional varieties used in the door. Um So the 10-year-old, you'll notice right away, has upfront fruit. Um, it does have that kind of warming um, alcohol in the finish, but you get kind of dried fruit character. You get a little bit of that nuttiness associated with Tawny's, which when you compare that to the 20-year-old, you're getting a lot more of that nuttiness. Um, that dried
0: And those dried fruit characteristics are starting to show through
2: yeah it gets even more intense in terms of the the dried fruit character um so what do you think though you're the you're trying them right now
0: well 100- first of all in the in the wine world, this is probably the only time you get to say i really like that ten year old so oh, um, shut up Michael. without getting in a lot of you know weinstein trouble so yeah.
1: you know that it's would- it's it's I've always been a fan of ten and twenty year your ports and um I appreciate that the thirty and 40 are usually pretty pretty easy to get your hands on at, at the LCBO, but every time I've had a chance to taste ports that are that old, I know the price generally usually gets up, but that's not what makes me turn away from them. I just I, I think after thirty years, it's the same thing. Michael and I have talked about how we enjoy aging wines. I prefer my wines uh, wines younger with like bright, vibrant fruit. So I, I'm generally drawn towards a ten year and a really good a really good 20 year 20 year port as well but like that 20,
0: a- 20 is probably my, my always my my go-to I really love a, a, the 20 but I, I find the 30s and 40s so interesting and just so lovely and I hate to say it's so expensive uh, <laughs> I don't get to enjoy them very often but when you get a chance to they're well worth it
1: well even the 20 year though like you' you're getting a lot of a lot of complexity for a fair price for something you're not going to crack open and guzzle. I mean, I think it's about seventy dollars for the, the the twenty year the twenty year Taylor uh, Tawny, um, but you start to get like that nice nuttiness that that gets added to that fresh fruit, and I mean, you, you can really notice the difference ne- tasting it next to ten year. I love being able to do these side by side.
2: Yeah, I think it's it's really great to be able to see how it evolves, and when I do these kind of tastings, and before like holidays in particular, I like to focus on Tawnies because it's a fairly traditional thing that people like to have around for entertaining. And one of the benefits to these is because they are aged oxidatively for quite a while, um, once you do open these bottles, they can stay open for quite some time. And I'm talking about, you know, four weeks plus um, without losing their their charm. So the advantage to having that around, obviously, if you're having people drop in we're all fantasizing now about being able to have people visit and, and over for dinner now that we're all locked up. But um, in you know situations where you want to have something on hand to offer guests that are, that are coming around, um, these are great options because you can keep them in the fridge and just use them as you need to. So you're generally with port not drinking you know a whole bottle in one sitting. It's something that you're normally having a smaller pour. And uh, traditionally, people would enjoy after dinner. I really like having them as an aperitif. I like having them when you're just kind of, you know, hanging out, not anything too serious, having them with, you know, some basically appetizers, like little nibbly bits, maybe you're some cheese, maybe some charcuterie. So um, they're really, really versatile when it comes to food. The 10-year-old I find when I'm doing these kind of pastings uh, appeals to people who do like something a little bit more useful, a little bit plumper or easier going, um, the 20-year-old, I think, is a really, you know, great example of something that has a little bit more complexity to it, um, appeals to the the connoisseur because of that, uh, you know, the nuanced nuttiness and oxidative character, which is quintessentially Tawny.
0: And when, uh, when uh, Lindsay talks about, you know, ha- dreaming about having people over, it was really funny as she dropped off the stuff today, put it on the porch, uh, texted me and said, it's on the porch, uh, so I came up and like it was like it was a fishbowl care thing. She was like talking to me through the glass. All right, that's great. So and she's in the middle of the driveway, so we're like almost yelling through the glass. So it's actually it, it is something I am dreaming about is to finally share uh, wines and ports and and other things with with people in the backyard and and you know going out and having people over for a barbecue. Um,
1: this is this is a nice but, consolation consolation prize though. Like it's amazing that we can do this with technology that you and I are like, we're literally enjoying the same wine and we're hundreds of of kilometers apart. And you know what, if I can just like wax poetic for a quick second, like this is definitely something we've taken for granted because we've recorded this podcast like literally hundreds of times from remote locations, but like never, never has it felt so good to have the human contact. So,
0: and it's really funny because what people don't know is that we usually do this um, just audio but Lindsay popped in video as well, so we can actually see her now. She can't see us. So Why would she
1: want to uh, see? We your promise face we're not anyways. making any yeah. you know,
0: grotesque uh, hand gestures or anything. But uh, it's just it's nice to actually see her as she's describing everything. Although I noticed there's not a glass in your hand, so that's um, uh, that's yeah, Lindsay, that's what's concerning. Up with that?
1: me. What's up with that?
2: Well, I, because. Because I was trying to get in here, I just got home and just got on the computer. My battery was dead when I texted you. I didn't realize. Cause I said, "Okay, I'm ready," and then I realized my battery was dead. So I literally just got in the door, got my computer set up, and sat down.
1: It's the magic of radio. I can I can pause this and we can come back to it. Just uh, I will add some music right here while you go get a glass of wine.
2: Well, I just my lovely husband assistant here uh, brought me. Oh, a it's bit in of your the hand. <laughs> He's eavesdropping on our conversation.
0: Obviously, that's what's happening. So, Lindsay, the uh, the question that I do have is a lot of people think of port as an after-dinner drink, obviously. What about, uh, is there anything that you would pair food-wise? I know Andre's a big wine and food pairing kind of guy, and he's always talked about ice wine and fried chicken which believe it or not is a, as weird as it sounds, but it can, it can.
1: uh, Oh, I would do, I would do port and and fried chicken in a heartbeat. And I would, you know, it's a thing, Lindsay, when you talked about like connoisseurs appreciating the 20 year port, but it's the, it's the cool thing about port is that it's, it's probably one of the more accessible snobs wines. Like you don't need to be an expert to be like, Oh, well, yes, this does taste a little bit like almonds and, uh, you know, like purple candies. Like, it's it's very, very tasty. But uh,
0: I know you talked about... Sa- and, and sacramental wine. But, uh-huh. um, but I what would this. you... What, what I was trying to get at is, would you pour these for a dinner in any way, shape, or form? Like, what would you pair them with?
2: I would totally pour them with an- almost anything. Um, I was saying I like having them just to kind of... Because they're versatile, you have sweetness, first of all which sweetness goes well with other sweetness in terms of food items. But um, more interestingly, it works really well with anything salty and savory. Yes. So I like it with salty stuff. Um, like if you have some mixed nuts, if you have chips, um, even, you know, like pretzels, something like anything with salt and the sweet is a really nice combination. And traditionally, port, um, the pairing that you hear about all the time is with Stilton. It's a, an English thing that they specifically do around holidays um it works so well because port obviously is intense it's sweet and then you have the stilton that's salty and savory um so that's a a classic pairing but i really like aged cheddar with them as well i love any kind of aged um kind of sharp cheese so i actually really love manchego and stuff with them Uh, anything that has a bit of a bite to it in terms of of cheese styles. Um, But also it just goes, if you're having like little aperitif with some items that are just being passed around, um, it can go with almost anything. So I I don't think that there's any hard and fast rules when it comes to food and wine pairing. I'm a big, big uh, advocate for just being creative and enjoying what you like.
0: But what Um, about a main course? Would Maybe. you think about
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like like what 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 would you think would be, you know what? I, I need to to show off uh the these ports, but like I just I wanna bunker down and, and put some really good food on the table.
2: I'm giving you all my secrets now, so now I'll have to kill you. But um no, <laughs> uh, I would do If the like...
0: virus doesn't get you, Lindsay will. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Michael. Uh,
2: now that you have my secret inside information on food pairing. Uh, I would do the 20-year-old, actually, with, the, like, a really, really rich mushroom risotto. would be Yeah. Better. Um, also, the LBV and any of the vintage ports. But, I mean, if you're looking for something just kind of every day not breaking the bank, the LBV is fantastic if you have, like, a big, fat ribeye. Um, and if you did especially, like, some kind of, a, you know, a fruit reduction, a blueberry reduction or something in there would be amazing so that you get the you know, the fat and the salt from the meat, but then a little bit of sweetness of, of some kind of a reduction or even an aged balsamico with that would be phenomenal. Um, so any, it has to have, in terms of food, you want something that has enough flavor to compete with a port because port isn't shy, typically. It has a lot of flavor and I, it needs something to compete with it. Um, so in the world of, you know, cheese and stuff, this isn't something necessarily that I would put with, you know, a brie or a goat's cheese. You need something with a little bit more of a hit to it. Um, but red meat with your, your vintage ports, uh, works really, really well. Anything that has that kind of intense gamey character in the way of mushrooms and root vegetables and stuff I find works really well.
1: Oh, I, i've i've got to i've got to th- i've got to throw one out there now that you've you've mentioned it and I've thought about it. Um, in the in the depths of winter, and thankfully we didn't have a, a terrible winter. And I know Michael and I have talked a little bit about how we're taking our wine and food pairing significantly less seriously. I picked up a bottle of uh, Taylor uh, Late Bottled Vintage Port, and I uh, made some lamb shanks with it. Uh, with some root vegetables, with some parsnips uh, and potatoes. And I used half of the bottle in the gravy that I used for the lamb shanks. And that sweetness, like paired with the saltiness of the the gravy on top of the gaminess of the lamb, was just one of the great things I've ever cooked. And I'm sorry for anyone listening, I freestyled the recipe so there is 0% chance I could ever recreate it be replicated. Yet. No.
0: Oh, but that, that sometimes you can you can make the best stuff when you freestyle. Like you you take a base of a of a recipe and then you just kind of add stuff to it. I've I've done it so many times. It's it's the reason why I, I like cooking over baking. Baking has actually brought me to tears at times cuz things don't rise, things don't do something. But cooking you can just throw whatever you want. You like garlic? Throw throw spoonfuls of garlic in that thing. You can't throw spoonfuls of flour into anything.
2: It's more scientific, whereas, yeah. Uh, yeah, cooking is a little bit more intuitive, kind of organic in the way it comes about.
0: So I'm I'm on to the uh, late-bottled vintage, which oh, is the ble- 2014, and ble- ble- uh, ble- I believe uh, just before we went on, Lindsay said that uh, both the 14 and the 15 are available. Tell us a little bit about what late-bottled vintage ports are, which are probably one of my favorites uh, as far as uh, as the port family goes. Um Yeah, just tell us uh, tell us what makes a late-bottled vintage.
2: So this is actually really cool to be talking about because, uh, I don't know if you knew or not, but it is actually the 50th anniversary of the LBV style. And um, Taylor's was actually the first to make an LBV, a late-bottled vintage style. And how this came about is because vintage ports are The kind of wines that, historically speaking, you would buy a case when, if you had a a baby, you would buy a case of wine when that baby was born, and it would be coming around to kind of drinking age when that kid was probably close to getting married in those days. So um, because it's not an instant gratification type of wine... Uh, it obviously takes a lot of effort to to spend the money, first of all, on those kind of bottles and to also seller them. And so Taylor saw the opportunity to come up with something similar in style, but with a little bit um, more kind of hedonistic appeal as far as being able to not wait that long before you actually crack open the bottle and enjoy it. So um, the LBV, uh, I was mentioning it's, it's the 50th anniversary coming up. So there's going to be some actually i have uh, some media releases about that stuff um there were going to be some events around it i'm not sure what it will be happening now based on circumstances um but the lbb it's at 19 bucks it gives you the opportunity to get something that has all the the structure and the heft um kind of more in line with a vintage port but with a much lower price tag and again, the the instant ability to open that bottle when you've purchased it and enjoy it. Um, so, yeah. sorry. And you
0: probably know this, but they age well as also.
2: You can keep the, anything that has that amount of of alcohol and and sweetness. Those are natural preservatives. And you mentioned ice wine before, as far as um, food pairings, but things like ice wine too. I mean, when you have sweetness like that and. Ideally, some acidity to kind of keep everything together. Anything like that can age for quite a long time.
0: Like I have – I still have some uh, – I was just checking my my wine cellar while you were chatting about the late bottled vintage. I still have some 05, 07, and 09 late bottled vintage. Uh, and I, I've opened like an 03 before, uh, just a, actually probably a couple months ago. Jesus, you are it was a,
1: absolutely You are a delicious. patient man. You are a patient man, Michael. I don't think – I've left the LCBO with a bottle of port that I wasn't planning on consuming immediately. on the way home. Yeah, so you, you you guys need to you guys both need to school me on what it is I'm missing out on because of my lack of patience.
0: On Andre, next time that we can actually get together, I promised open an old bottle, late bottle, vintage. I'm I'm gonna guarantee it blows you away.
1: It's gonna do what to me now?
2: Whoa, whoa!
0: <laughs> Look here, Mister. I drink on the bus.
2: <laughs> yeah you, you didn't specify as long as long as you're taking the bus after shopping at the lcbo and opening that bottle then that's okay yeah i, I thought am- I,
0: would, I should throw that in there instead of throwing andre under it so
2: yes that's fair
0: so, so yeah late bottle vintage is just i guess uh, i i always tell people it came about because you had to do something else with those grapes right you can't just always make a vintage port like how many times a decade do they did they declare a vintage for a vintage port
2: so Vintage Port is generally declared about three times a, a decade. Um, so they save the best, best years to actually declare a vintage. And what that means by best is normally they're looking for a year where you're getting a certain... Well, they don't have trouble with ripeness, so that's already generally you know in the cards. But when you have a little bit more elegance in the wine and more character, um, then they have enough experience as well now to have a pretty good sense of what's looking like a declared vintage or not. Um, but every, it it depends on when you're talking about, um, different houses as well. Everybody has their own kind of idea as to what constitutes their house style, what kind of things they're looking for. Um, so it should also be noted, uh, Taylor's has a a, a style that's different from Croft, which is different from Faseca, which is different from all the other porthouses out there as well. Um, So what I've given you there as far as the 2017s is the Taylors as well as the Croft for comparison. Because you'll notice even from the same year, they're going to be drastically different. So even when you talk about a declared vintage and the fact that that's only happening three times a decade, um, even within those declared vintages, every... Every producer is going to have a slightly different style based on their vineyards, based on kind of their, you know, philosophies and how they traditionally are making like this, The production method isn't going to vary dramatically, but obviously the, the blending and the, the vineyard complexities that all go into this are going to result in different styles for each producer.
0: So I'm going to put you on the spot in the uh, in the year from 2010 through 2017. Obviously, they haven't declared after that. What are we, what are our vintage dates? Or if you want, and if you have them, let's say the 2000s. What are the what are the declared vintages in the 2000s?
2: I thought I <laughs> I didn't know I was going to be interrogated. I, I uh, wasn't ready to do MW-style drilling at this point, but. Um, as far as recent vintages, the 2011 and then the 2016 and now the 2017s are the current. So you still do find some 2016s. Uh, I was mentioning the the destination store uh, for Portugal, the one on Saint Clair West has some of the 2016s. There's a few other stores that have some around still. Uh, 2011s a little bit less so. Uh, but in terms of like if you're talking about the 2016s versus the 2017s. Um, The 2017s are even a little bit more kind of big and plush and and kind of uh, what's the word? Extroverted. I think I would use as a an example of 16, how to Sixteen. Describe-
0: sixteen seems to be a, a great vintage all over Europe. I would, just came back from Italy. Well, I can't say just because people will start shunning me on the streets. But I, I've been back now for for over a month now, uh, and it just seems like sixteen was a great vintage in Tuscany, in Umbria, all over all over Italy, and uh, it it seems that sixteen was also a great vintage all over Europe.
2: Yeah, there's, I mean, it depends on what you're talking about, though, because whenever you have a vintage, I mean, yes, it could be widely, you know, good for even reds, but obviously if you start drilling down a little bit further into, you know, it, what's good for reds isn't necessarily good, it could be good for whites, isn't necessarily Very true. Or different, you know, areas, depending on what they're valuing in terms of the, the combination of, of components as far as the grapes, so... So, yeah, I mean, there, when you're talking about reds, I think it's a little bit little bit easier to generalize. But even within that, you have so many different grape varieties, and it really does come down to region by region. But um, 2016, for, yeah, for a lot of red regions, it was really great vintage.
0: So, Andre, just uh, just to discuss with you a little bit, um, so did, did you try both the Croft and the Taylor?
1: Oh, I'm still on the 14. Did I miss something?
0: Yeah, open up the... Okay, so I guess Lindsay <laughs> and I are going to talk while you try the vintage No, you know you what?
1: I was checking the price of the 20-year Tawny a second ago on the LCBA website. I was correct, at sixty nine ninety five, dollars uh, But I did take a look at the Vintages site. Hang on, just get, let me take a second. So the Taylor 17. So I did send you the link, uh, Ooh, the
2: 2017 jammer. vintage ports have gone out through vintages online as a special offering.
1: I'm looking at that and, right now. Um, should I buy the six liter bottle for $1,285?
2: Obviously. <laughs> and, and, Andre. What a and, dumb question. And that and how one. long
0: should I, I, I know age you, it? I know you have credit card in hand right now.
1: Uh, and how long should I
0: age it for? <laughs>
2: Um, well, it depends on how long that you can, you can not open it. I think is it's more reasonable. He's drinking
0: that on the bus on the way home. You know it.
2: I feel like this is more of a, more of an issue with your impulse control than when the wine is actually going to drink well. <laughs> Jesus,
1: but, like I, yeah. I opened, I opened, I opened a three liter bottle of, um, Bourguet last summer at a cottage and I mean, a magnum is already bigger than you think when you're actually carrying the bottle. When you like, when you say it, like, oh, two two bottles," that's not that much wine, but when you carry four bottles in in one hand, like I had to walk around carrying that bottle like it was a Stanley Cup, uh, a six liter bottle of port. Man, that's a good Friday night.
0: I've I've, I've seen a few six liters in my day, and they're, they, you 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 don't realize how big those bottles are until you actually. You know, try to pick them up and figure out who the hell and when are you going to drink this.
2: Well, you need to, you do need to buy one though, Andre, because when this is all over and you have like a massive killer party with everybody you know over, then you're going to need a big bottle. Oh, right? it's,
1: Lindsay it's, and I it's already are going it's, to it's, there. It's already in the works. I am planning on throwing a seven day dinner party with breaks for me just to go to work.
0: <laughs> so, so Lindsay and I are going to be at that party and uh, we're looking forward to drinking that, that port. So you you better get it now.
2: Those would be the, the larger format bottles uh, people will buy sometimes just because it's fun to have one in your cellar and have bragging rights. But also if you, you know, for a wedding or for a future event, um, there's that benefit or more commonly for restaurants or if they do have a cellar of, you know, stuff that they're not looking to turn over right away and they can actually hold on to. Than the larger format bottles are something interesting to have, especially when you do have larger groups or, you know, if there's, there's business dinners, things like that where people are
0: willing business to spend a little dinners. bit more
2: and have <laughs> something more special, then uh, those can be a really cool addition to a wine list.
0: I do Andre, love, when I do uh, your, your child t- becomes 21, we'll open that bottle.
1: I-, I love that you're talking to us about throwing business dinners like we are fancy business people.
2: Maybe, I don't know.
0: No, we we, <laughs> we are far done. from fancy business people. We were talking about not wearing pants to the the podcast cuz we were just we we didn't have to actually be in the same room with people, so
2: I'm giving you the benefit of the doubt that maybe you do have, you know, a side of a side of you that uh, throws business dinners. I don't know. No, we you, you we know, barely you
0: have know
1: presentable than pants. That. <laughs> <laughs> you know us far better than that.
0: So, Andre, did you taste the, uh, the, the vintage ports? Did you, can you at least talk about them now?
1: It, it actually reminds me of a boozy version of my mother's raspberry jam. And that is one both of the of highest. Them? The high, uh, Yeah, they're both. I, I
0: find the flavor. Did you not fun. find a, Lindsay talked about a stylistic difference. Did you not find a stylistic difference?
1: I, I'm just going back to them. Hmm.
0: And maybe because we're drinking them out of mason jars, I'm just not sure Hey, but you I just, can't
2: I put them in mason jars. So you didn't have to keep. I would not advise a mason jar as a necessarily a complimentary. This, this the, the, is a
0: great the, vessel. The, the Croft made it even better.
1: The, the Croft is a little bit more silky on the on the finish.
0: Um, I find that too. Yes, very uh, almost sweet ish.
1: Well, they're both well. I mean, it's 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 pork. They're both it's hard, sweet. It's hard but what I'm getting sweet, at is the cloth.
0: As you said, silkier, a little sweeter, a little more upfront, red and dark fruit, juicier almost. Whereas the Taylor, I find uh, the Taylor's a little more to my liking. I really like the acidity that they have in that wine. There's a great well, balance. There's, there's an actual there's good, spice to that good wine.
1: Acid, there's good acid in in both. But I, I agree with you that the Taylor definitely has a little bit more oomph. Uh, yeah. Like it's just, it's just a little
0: more power, a little more punch, a little more tannin.
1: Yeah, and like, like I, I don't want to use the word, the word, depth, but like the, like the Croft is also like, I mean they're both good wines. We're we're, we're talking about, we're talking about milliseconds between each cross and the finish line. I couldn't say with certainty which is better than the other, but it's the nice thing about tasting them side by side is, side by side. I think at a dinner party the Taylors is going to take it.
0: Uh, well, I like I like the Taylors. I find uh, if we were talking about foods to pair it with, I could probably pair it with more things. Uh, the Croft I'd find at my local church, but uh, if they were a high end church, I mean. But um, the Taylors is as is, is more more to my liking as far as as a port goes because there's definitely some depth, some complexity. The Croft I find would probably be um, your novice port drinker, somebody you're just getting into uh, vintage port and you say, you know what, try this one and and I believe it'll have more fans because it has that smooth, plush, juiciness lots of fruit, obviously the acidity is there or else you'd just be drinking jam, um, but, the, but it, it seems to be a more approachable port as opposed to the Taylors, which has got depth complexity and that is your more intermediate to um, more um, you know experience it's, it's
1: It's the moot point about port in general is it's nice to have the three of us who have all tasted a lot of wines and know more than our our parents about wines. but to be able to talk about the nuance in these wines. like I want to go back to something I said earlier, where if I brought any of these bottles to a dinner party, I wouldn't feel guilty. About opening them for anyone who knew nothing about wine, and frankly, if someone wanted to taste one of these and say, "Oh, it's too sweet or whatever." like fine, that's personal taste, But they would still get it. Like there's nothing that's really difficult to get about these wines. Like
0: it's and if, and obviously, if you had just bought uh, if you had just brought them to a dinner party, it would have meant you just bought them so and opened them. So I don't know if you'd ever see the that that vintage port in ten to twenty years.
1: At my house, probably not.
2: Uh, I think you're right on the mark there, Andre, though, as far as even with vintage ports. um, So these are babies, I mean, in comparison to, uh, you know, their potential um, being from the 2017 vintage. But even so, if you if you were to try a brand new Barolo or a brand new Bordeaux in many cases, they're going to be pretty rough around the edges, which I think it's really cool to be able to try the younger vintage ports like this and still be able to enjoy them as they are now and certainly they will develop and the intention generally is to let them develop and and get even more complex and nuanced and, and really shine but being young as they are now, that you can still appreciate uh, the obviously the power and the structure and but but just the plushness of them, which is easy, as you mentioned, even if you're not someone who maybe has a lot of experience with port or with wine in general, it's still very easy to enjoy. Um, it's easy to pick out some of those fruit flavors and to you know to get what it's about. Hey, and then for people who are more into wine, you get into all those other layers of stuff going on.
1: Lindsay, I have a question for you that's kind of uh, general because you're a a brand ambassador. So you're trying to get these bottles in in front of people. And I I just want to share a bit of a story with you and Michael. When I went to Portugal um, a few years ago, I was there for Vino Verde, but I went down to um, the shore of the Douro and visited a few port houses on the few hours of free time I had. I brought back a delicious bottle of Tawny Port that was not Taylor's, I'm sorry. But it was a, a bottle of Tawny Port that, I saved for when my mother was visiting from Saskatchewan and it was like pulling teeth, trying to get that wine into her hand. It was just like, no mom, it's not what you think it tastes like. It's not like the port wine that your grandfather was, was drinking from brights or whatever. Yeah. Is it hard to convince people to taste these wines? And then the side the up is once they taste these wines, do they realize that it, it doesn't taste like what they think it tastes like? Uh, it's
2: interesting because it really depends on which kind of part of the demographic you're talking about because I think with a certain generation, like my parents are not wine people and they generally would buy things like port and sherry, whatever the local, you know, (laughs) the local pretend version of that was, being brights or what have you, they would buy them typically for cooking. Um, Maybe a little bit for kind of sipping on, but more often than not it was for, for cooking. And so I think in a certain age range, people might have the impression that, you know, when you say port or sherry, they're thinking about not the, you know, what we would consider to be port or sherry, um, and might have certain preconceived notions in terms of the quality or the style. But I think with anyone that knows their wine, port holds a, a special place kind of in the world of wine, and that, I think, transcends generations just based on the... You know the reputation it has and then when you're talking about younger generations that maybe don't they're just getting into wine they're not you know wine drinkers um i think the appeal to these is that you do have some sweetness there so it's not you know super bone dry and aggressive and kind of hard to get into it doesn't even know it does as mentioned have the capacity to age for decades it doesn't necessarily require that in terms of just being able to enjoy a glass um, so I don't think there's any, like, sure, some people might tell you, you have to age it for a certain amount of time. Um, and, and if you're spending the money on a, a wonderful vintage port, then I think you would probably want to see it through. But, um, there's certainly nothing wrong, again, based on purposes to open a bottle any time that you feel like it and being able to enjoy it as it is drinking right at that moment. And I think the younger generation appreciates, um, the upfront fruit character, the kind of softness, the plushness. With the the two vintage ports that you have in front of you, you mentioned uh, Michael the the styles between the Taylors and the Croft, and uh, the Croft I think is really really easy to just fall in love with because it's it's just really friendly and lovely and has all that intensity of character. Taylors is a little bit more refined, uh, and you get more of that violet and spice and kind of a little bit more structure versus the Croft is a little bit easier going. So I think with it's nice to try two different styles in terms of from the same vintage because with Atani's, you've been able to do a little bit of a you know a vertical tasting this is uh, an example of almost a horizontal tasting to see the difference in how it can you know how the the year can translate um, based on different houses and vineyards
1: I was waiting oh, for did Michael to talking. talking yeah yeah it's a, no it's a. Uh...
0: <laughs>
2: Um, I put you to sleep? No, well, I mean, that's
0: fine. I, I had some quiet there for a second, so I thought I'd I'd wake back up. I think
1: calling a, a, a pork tasting a horizontal tasting is definitely an apt dis- description because if you drink a lot of these at once, you do need to be careful because the alcohol levels are higher than regular wine. I think that's the the full disclaimer so the, that we need to remember, but man. They're this. usually
0: 19 to 21%, and, and I was just thinking about it as I was uh, sitting here. So Andre... Um, be- because you're home and you usually have a really tough day and then when we start drinking you uh you you have a, a, a tendency to just drink it. Uh, how many of your your th- mason jars are empty?
1: uh two. I'm behaving myself. I still have three, although we both talked about how much okay, I, I now know what kind of drinker I am. Though. I have
0: none that are empty. I actually have more than half in each one.
1: I know what kind of drinker I am though now because the Crofts 2017, the Crofts 2017 is the one that's the, the emptiest out of the late bottled. I'm saving the Taylor's for last because I I, like the Croft is just, is drinking really easy because of that softer finish. And that, uh, that, that Taylor's 2017, I'm looking forward to savoring, um, while I go make some turkey tacos in
0: a minute. Oh, I'm making egg roll in a bowl tonight. Lindsay, what are you (laughs) making for dinner?
2: um i don't even know yet i haven't thought that far ahead you want to check
0: with your husband maybe he's making it
2: uh not yet he's working but we're we're close to needing to go and do another grocery run so it's going to be limited options tonight (laughs) we're we're scraping the bottom of the uh the barrel tonight i think Andres
0: leaving uh turkey tacos outside of his door so you can go pick it up
2: so one thing you mentioned actually that just kind of uh, reminded me, because these also have the sweetness, they do go amazingly well with anything that has spice. The, the higher alcohol in these can make the spice seem a little bit hotter, but if that's not a problem for you, uh, the, the sweetness really goes nicely with anything spicy. So if you were to do something with like say barbecue wings or Indian takeout or things like that, go fabulously especially with something like the LBV because it has that really, again, upfront fruit um, and sweetness without as much structure necessarily as a vintage, a full-on vintage port. And it's a little bit more approachable and would really work nicely with a lot of that if you have something spicy.
0: So Lindsay, we we never, uh, we never uh, at the beginning, never said what your qualifications in the wine world were. Maybe we should at least tell people, that you, you know, you have some qualifications, it's not just that you're the brand ambassador like, uh, like those those beer girls that we see.
2: No, I just walked in off the street.
0: Yeah, uh, that's probably what it is. You're such but.
1: a weenie, Michael. Sometimes.
2: <laughs> um, my background is I got in. I was lucky. I got into wine early. Um, I left university. I was studying philosophy and political science which I never would have got a job with anyway, but uh, I left university and started a program at Niagara College for winemaking and viticulture, um, which seemed like a a fun idea when I was 21. Uh, It sounded cool because you got to make wine and travel and, you know, go to fancy dinners and stuff, so it sounded like a great career choice. Um, So I got in the production side originally and spent some time traveling and And uh, doing harvests and then came back to Toronto and got more into hospitality. I had, since I was old enough to uh, bartended and been in hospitality anyway, but then got into psalming and uh, a little bit more into kind of the serious side of fine dining. And uh, in the process, I did my sommelier credentials through Algonquin College. I started doing the WSET courses, uh, the and Spirits Education Trust out of the UK. And I'm a huge, huge nerd, and I like studying, so I decided to be really masochistic and take on the master of wine, and I'm halfway through that now. I finished my, passed my theory last June, and unfortunately the exam was cancelled this year, but I need to sit my tasting portion and pass that, and then I will have a research paper to finish, and then finally I'll have to find something else to do with my time.
0: (laughs) Well, Lindsay, thank you very, very much for uh, sitting in with us. Thank you for risking life and limb to uh, to get us these wines. Uh, we're going to have to have you back as a thank you, uh, not only for Andre's uh, burnt chicken dinner, but uh, up, we'll do a little stump the stoop with you where I bring some really old okay, stuff from Okay, there we go, there uh, we go, there we go, there
1: we go. Michael? What? It's you who keeps mixing up whether it's stump the chump or stump the stoop. Get it right, it's stump the chump.
0: Well, it's Stump the Chomp or Stump the Stoop. It depends who we have in. And um, we'll have her in and uh, see if uh, she can uh, have some fun with some of these old pieces of crap and or uh, gems that I have sitting in the cellar.
1: Lindsay, you ever <laughs> tasted wine from Kentucky?
2: Kentucky,
0: no. <laughs> yeah, that was that's my claim to fame. I brought one of those out with Thomas Batchelder and Boy, that was a that was that was a really bad wine. It was like fermented nibs. <laughs> Why you
2: would drink wine from Kentucky? They have perfectly good bourbon. What's the problem?
0: <laughs> hey, I, I gave I gave it a shot. I got one bottle, and and Thomas got it. So there you go. You you lose out on that one.
2: He identified
0: it as Kentucky. No, uh, none of us identified it as as actually wine, Mike. Mike, you'd be surprised. Like Thomas,
1: Thomas and I have both failed spectacularly on Stump the Chump. We did. We were talking about how we don't care for Pinot Noir when it's warm climate and the flavors are too extracted, and like how it's a warm wine. Blah blah blah. It was a twelve and a half percent Clawson Chase. Uh, From 09 Yeah, Pinot Noir that had a few years on it So I'm not good at blind
0: tasting So we'll see how good you are, Lindsay
2: Yeah, we'll see I don't mind being terribly wrong And going down in flames So I'm sure it'll be be good fun Great, Gauntlet's (laughs) down
1: I really enjoyed drinking those ports
0: I tell you, I I think I finished all my bottles Yeah I'm just kidding
1: no, but it's, it's, it's crazy when you drink that much fortified wine on an empty stomach right after work during self quarantine, goes straight to your
0: head. Yeah, no, um, I, I love port. I've always been a big, huge port fan and, uh, it was great for Lindsay to join us. And, and I really felt bad that we kept putting her off. So, uh, yeah. it was nice that she finally reached out to us and said, um, yeah, let's get this done. Even, even through social distancing. So. Um It was great. So uh, a big thanks to, to Lindsay and for the little jars she brought us because yes. <laughs> uh, now I'm reusing them.
1: Yeah, me too. Uh, <laughs> just remember, you can subscribe to this podcast. Um Go on iTunes, leave a review. Uh, if you have... I, I know a lot of people are looking for content to consume. Come on. You can only watch Tiger King so many times. It's time to start listening to podcasts. So refer a friend.
0: I have not watched any Tiger King. But if I have to give a, sh- a shout out to a show... Uh, it would probably Netflix The Stranger. Oh my God! I've never been so uh, so wrapped up in a show ever. I'm Michael Pincus of MichaelPincusWineReview.com.
1: I'm Andre Prue from AndreWineReview.ca, and I'm oh so tired.
0: And I'm gonna say, shut up, Andre. Good night. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to Two Guys Talking Wine on iTunes.